Binky. Do you think of me as your roommate? Or your mommy? <coughs> your butler. Are you serious? Where did you even learn that word? Have you been watching Downtown Abbey? Downton. Downton Abbey. Thanks, Binky. Welcome to episode four of Six Degrees of Cats, a podcast about how cats have shaped our past, present, and future. We meet again. Now, you may not know this about me, but I, Captain Kitty, am one of those rare and unique people who love traveling. And of course, in my travels, I make a lot of friends. Cat friends. Last year, I was hired for a job that took me to Kosovo. Kosovo is in Eastern Europe. It's bordered by Macedonia, Albania, and Montenegro. The famous Balkan mountain range is among its most notable landscape features. A close second? The Accursed Mountain. Its furry residents and their human caretakers really left a positive impression on me. So in this episode, I'm passing the mic to Binky and Snuggles, who will be interviewing the cats of Kosovo. I'm kidding. I'm just really excited to share with you more about this amazing country. It's full of some really inspiring community catalysts for all the residents in their communities. Before we dive in, a disclaimer. Kosovo's been through a lot of stuff. And I want to make sure that we don't have this expectation that any single person can represent a quote-unquote objective perspective of what happened. And you won't come away from this episode with a comprehensive overview of Kosovo. I don't really know a good resource for that. You just have to travel and talk to the people and experience it for yourself. That said, we'll do our best here at Six Degrees of Cats. So, off we go to Kosovo. Of course, I had heard of Kosovo before. I knew it was near the Balkans and that it's one of the few Muslim-majority nations in Europe. But beyond that, didn't have a lot of information. I'm guessing that, like me, dear listener, unless you personally have a direct connection to the region or country, you haven't had Kosovo on your radar either. Were it not for the work itinerary, I don't think it would have been on my agenda. And I'm so glad it was. So I stayed in Prizren, which is the second largest city in Kosovo. It was in the fall. I walked around Prizren in my downtime and explored a few sites, stopping into shops full of pistachios, the best nut, enjoying mint tea and fresh salads with ripe tomatoes and really incredible halloumi-like cheese. The Ottoman Empire's historic influence on this region was super evident in both the food and the stunning architecture. My colleagues and I had many cool opportunities to meet community and cultural leaders in Prizren. I hung out with the only female producer of Raki, which is a special local brandy, at Sirush, her bar and shop. We were also allowed to see a private showing of punk and anarchist zines by a curator of political texts that were published and produced in Kosovo. There were two things about my time in Prizren that compelled me to bring us to Kosovo. The first was just how darn welcoming and extremely knowledgeable and conversant the folks that we spoke to were. 
and the second, the animals on the street. For all North Americans here, let me clarify. The animals on the street I'm talking about aren't rats or trash pandas. Raccoons. I'm talking about cats and dogs. I've traveled to other cities in Europe and Asia where feral animals shared the streets and community spaces with humans. But there was something different about the street animals in Kosovo. While dining al fresco, a family of kittens played at my feet and the staff were totally indifferent to their presence. The cats were, well, some variation of tabby. The dogs, however, that was different. I saw golden retrievers running around with chihuahuas on the streets, Labrador retrievers and pit bulls hanging out. They looked almost purebred. Turns out there's a pretty specific explanation for that, and it starts with the history of Kosovo. Since I, Amanda B., am far from qualified to speak to the history of Kosovo, I'm lucky to call upon the expertise of one of the Kosovans I had the privilege of learning from, who runs a large cultural foundation in Prizren. My name is Ares Sporta. Um, I'm a native of Prizren, which is the second biggest town in Kosovo, the youngest country in Europe. Prizren is an old city. It's over uh, 3,000 years old. It has all layers of Roman, Byzantine, Ottoman, Austro-Hungarian, Yugoslav, uh, and other kind of new historic layers. It's a very particular place. It's multilingual, trilingual, so it makes it very culturally, linguistically, religiously diverse within the context of its region. I studied in Istanbul for six years. I did cultural policy, cultural management studies. I was at the time part of an initiative, a second initiative to save uh, the oldest cinema in Kosovo from privatization and demolition. And after we successfully stopped it for a second time, I was kind of summoned to my hometown and uh, came back to be the co-founding director of Lombardi Foundation, L-U-M-B-A-R-D-H-I, which is a non-profit focused to revive the cultural life in prison through reviving this old cinema that practically functions as an interdisciplinary art center. Kosovans have gone through a lot. Kosovo was an autonomous province. There was a war in 98 and 99. This was the last of the Yugoslav wars of 90s. We were administered by the UN for nine years. In 2008, I was 17 when the independence declaration and the constitution and the flag and the hymn were approved. To get a sense of the work that folks like Aris are doing to keep Kosovan culture and community moving forward, Aris shared more about the early post-war years. After the war, there was nothing. I mean, priority was security. You had military rule, you had curfew, you had no cultural life, no cultural is no nothing. In the state, uh, public infrastructure would take years and years to be revived, but the communities, because we had lived in parallel, we organized education system, financing system, healthcare and everything in parallel for a whole decade. We organized a parallel cultural life, an alternative culture, while being war-torn, poor, and kind of technically underdeveloped in terms of the kind of services it provides to its citizens. There is a sense of duty that one has, or at least I have, in relation to what can be built. 
not because we believe in nation states. Kosovo is a multi-ethnic state. It's not based on you know one ethnicity. It's just a matter of you know the state building process is our way of trying to influence uh, what kind of society we will be and what kind of care and what kind of services we will provide. So all of these weaknesses, loopholes, and then flexibilities to me seem like an excellent opportunity to craft our own model somehow to the best of our ability and capacity. And the Lombardi Theater is one such example of a new kind of model, one that includes all of its citizens. Lombardi was a space for all of all kinds of others or those who have been others. Also, it's a kind of the first safe space for the queer community in prison. People are really uh, recently starting to recognize some very basic human facts. And these spaces include non-human others. In our cinema, in our garden, we created a safe space for the local community of our cat neighbors and dog neighbors. I could definitely pick up on that when I was in the theater myself. It was such an open and welcoming space. I had the opportunity to speak to another such person in Kosovo who owns a cultural center that both includes and serves their animal neighbors. We'll hear from her after the break. When the war started, a lot of people that had, especially dogs, they had to flee their homes and then they would have to let go their animals as well, their cats and their dogs. And I remember those first weeks seeing all of these beautiful dogs very confused in the city, not understanding what was happening because they were not used to live outside of their uh, gardens and homes. That was a filmmaker friend of Aris. My name is Kaltrina Krasnici. I'm a film director from Kosovo. I've been making films since I was 18. I've set up several organizations in my life, starting with a cafe bookshop, Ditenat, then Vera Films, a small film company which is focused mostly in supporting young and brave voices in cinema. I'm also one of the founding members of Oral History Kosovo, which is a platform uh, where uh, voices of people from different paths of life are recorded using oral history methodology. Kaltrina helped me understand more about those dogs I saw running around. When we came back from the war, a lot of the animals had also been killed. But those that survived, now you see different kinds of dogs in the streets. Golden retrievers and pit bulls or, um, I don't know, you know, different kinds of breeds. Uh, and like Aris, Kaltrina noticed that these cats and dogs on the street were themselves evidence of the seismic shifts that Kosovo was experiencing post-war. Mostly because it has to do quite a lot with some very dramatic uh, social and political shifts. This country has been through war and through bombardment, repression, and also through particular political systems which really didn't encourage people to have big homes <laughs> or big gardens. However, after the war, this started to change radically because also the lifestyle uh, of people started to change and animals became a topic in our society. Kaltrina's business, Ditnat, is one example of how some cultural organizers are informed by and include animals as their neighbors. 
In 2009, I started on an MA program in media and communications. There was like this international institute where you could do that here in Kosovo at that period. And then there I met this friend, Baton, who had already opened a small bookshop in the center of the city, but he was thinking of expanding it. And my partner and I, Gens, we were also thinking of joining forces with somebody to establish a platform where we could promote film, uh, music, but also our favorite books. So uh, we joined Baton in his venture of opening Ditanad Bookshop. Very fast, this place became one of the most popular cafes in town. We would have two to three events a week. It was very friendly for people who love coffee and uh, for people who love books, and especially those who love to read good translations in English. What was very interesting was that we had a very small garden and a small a little cat started visiting, a straight cat. And uh, my partner, Gens, really fell in love with this cat. He named her chef, which in Albanian means boss. She became our bookshop cat. She was ginger and very friendly. It's no coincidence that this cafe and bookshop is animal friendly. In fact, it's by design. We started with our bookshop to do that, to feed all the dogs of our neighborhood. And then in the beginning, that was not seen as a nice thing because people would be concerned that there would be like large groups of dogs coming in front of their houses and threatening them, their safety and stuff like that. But then they realized that actually by developing that relationship with the stray animals, our neighborhood became actually safer. So our neighbors now, they feed the cats and the dogs of our neighborhood and are friendly to them. And it's nice to see that shift, something that was not the case in the past. However, we still have a very uh, big issue that we're trying to deal in municipality level regarding stray dogs and also stray cats, especially during the winter time. Winters can be very harsh here, and that really makes the life of stray animals quite difficult. Here in the United States, according to one statistic, one and a half million domesticated animals in shelters are euthanized annually. Unfortunately, this is the primary solution across the world that most systems use to quote-unquote humanely control animal populations. For a while, it was the only solution available in Kosovo. But there have been several nice uh, activist groups that have been dealing with uh, animal rights Kaltrina put me in touch with the leader of one such group. I am Ilza Ramadani. I'm from Kosovo. I live in Pristina. I had this big passion and idea to help the animals in my country because after I finished my law studies, I just saw that something is missing. I saw many animals on the street and we just wanted to find a sustainable solution for animal protection and also animal rights. We wanted to make that topic famous, if I may say so, in Kosovo and kind of start talking about it. We saw that no one is doing that. The foundation is called the Animal Rights Foundation in Kosovo in English, or ARF. ARF. I forgot to ask Elza if that was intentional. In April, actually, in uh, 2018, we started to register this organization. It's a non-governmental organization in Kosovo. We kind of 
wanted to start talking about laws, ethics, and um, how the state and institutions actually are dealing with animal rights and animal welfare in general. Starting from the main problem we saw on the streets every day, stray dogs and stray cats. People just dumped the animals on the street when they were sick or when they were old or just because they got enough of them. So in this way, many stray animals also reproduced on the street without any control from the municipalities or um, the state itself. And yeah, we have now a very difficult situation with stray dogs. Cats do not pose direct risk to society, but people are afraid of stray animals in general, and they also tend to abuse them and mistreat them sometimes. Elza and her team are focused on sustainable and humane solutions on behalf of Kosovo's animal citizens. We really worked so hard to understand the main root causes of the stray animal situation in Kosovo. We saw that the the lack of proper laws and regulation was the main issue, but also the proper and constant and consistent enforcement of those legal dispositions that we had in Kosovo. Earlier, Aris shared the human side of the post-war setting in Kosovo, in parallel for animals. After the war, it was difficult to provide security also for the food of people in general. And if we talk about companion animals, they didn't care at that time because it was also not so feasible to do that. But of course, 10 years after that or 15 years after that, we kind of can criticize the institutions of not doing more. Just recently, we asked the municipalities what they did actually uh, since 2008 up to now. We saw that in 2009 and 2010, uh, 2013, they actually started to give out tender spade projects to some veterinarians to shelter some dogs, to register some dogs or cats. They were referring to companion animals, which are dogs and cats. But we never saw such shelters. No one cared about those projects. And I think because the state back then was also quite corrupted, as we know, and it was a chaos afterward. I must say that in 2009 and 2010, nothing was done correctly from my perspective and what we as an organization saw in those documents. We never saw what really happened and we never got a report or photos or the actual place of the shelter that they were referring to. We still deal as a country with basic stuff, if I may say so. It's uh, really hard sometimes, but of course we really need to stick to it. As a first organization dealing with animal rights in Kosovo, we really need to set a good example and motivate others to do more in partnership with other organizations, not just in Kosovo, but also abroad. And Elza and the team have already had some wins. One of our biggest achievements up to now is also for (laughs) pushing the state to draft and approve a very big and important national strategy for the humane and sustainable control and management of the dog population in general. And also one sublegal act for registering companion animals, cats and dogs. This is the first time that the state undertook something with a great amount of money to deal with the situation humanely and sustainably. So we're really, really happy that this happened. We advocated for this two or three years because we wanted to convince the institutions that only with a strategic approach, with a sustainable mindset, we can solve the situation. 
Otherwise, if we just think that we build shelters and kill animals, we just won't solve the issue like that. Thanks in no small part to ARF's efforts, as recently as November 2022. As a country to register, identify with a microchip all the dogs as companion animals, as pets, so that if they get abandoned or lost, we will have an address of the family that uh, takes care for the animals. This is a big achievement, and the European Union also and the states around us are asking for Kosovo and the Balkans to actually start something like that. So animals are more protected, their well-being, and we know who is abandoning them. They can also be fined. Finally, something is starting to move. But this is just the beginning. And for kitties. They tend to survive better than dogs in many aspects, but then they also need care, veterinary care and getting registered, sterilized maybe in some of the stray cats that we have around. We will also consider to make pressure to register cats and to take care more about cats because they're really left behind with so many aspects. So, finger crossed about that. From where I broadcast our version of ARF, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or the ASPCA, has been around since 1863, which is... Um, 87 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed. In comparison, Kosovo's Declaration of Independence was in 2008, so go ARF! The considerations and care for animal neighbors that Aris, Kaltrina, and Elza are addressing hit home. It's not at all a uniquely Kosovan problem. There are organizations across the world, from Puerto Rico to Brazil to South Africa to Japan and all places in between, where similar work to include the animal citizens' care and comfort is ongoing. We've called ourselves pet parents, owners, stewards, guardians. These animals are part of our community, They're our neighbors. And they're equally entitled to share space safely and comfortably with us. It's not zero-sum. Animals, even though they look differently, even though they cannot speak to us and cannot think as us, they are just the same. They have joy, uh, they can experience anger and jealousy and can be sad and depressed. So it's really important to consider them as, as our same species. We're not so different, you know. We're animals too. <laughs> if we can create relationships with people, we can definitely create relationships with animals. You learn quite a lot, and mostly about resilience, friendship and sustainability. There is an increasing uh, number of people taking care of cats and dogs. I don't separate them much. They are part of our everyday life, very much part of our ecosystem. I think we always tell to ourselves as human uh, beings that we are the most important and uh, the supreme (laughs) intellectuals of, of this universe and planet. As homo sapiens, we really need to know better, right? To care more about the other creatures in our habitat. 
But Amanda, you might say. Or I might say. A lot of dialogue in here. There are obvious reasons we prioritize human needs over non-human needs. From a human-centric perspective, the sole perspective we can really empathize with, there's no question. Human suffering trumps all. But I don't think it's either or. We all stand to enormously benefit if humanity takes on a different, species-expansive perspective. We see that we don't have a peaceful mindset and a peaceful society if we treat animals uh, in a wrong way. If we don't care about animals in general and their welfare and their health, we are risking ourselves. It's the same with the planet and the environment. We see that with the climate crisis around the world. If we don't care about our environment and our animals as part of this planet and ecosystem, then we will be destroyed by it. The next time someone asks you why you care so much about cats or animals when there's so much human suffering in the world, remind them that we haven't really made a lot of progress with that kind of mindset. It's impossible to create a new and better world if we don't include up front our non-human neighbors with whom we share this unique planet. Or not so Are we unique. the only ones? Is there a cat planet? To be discussed in a future episode. But hold up. We're not leaving this planet just yet. In fact, we'll be staying in Europe and heading to the snowy hinterlands of... Norway, among other places. Why? Find out in the next episode. I want to thank the incredible speakers from Kosovo, including Ares Sporta, Kaltrina Krasnici, Ilza Ramadani. While the opinions are mine, the research and hard work is their own. If you'd like more about Kosovo, my guests, and to follow the inspiring work that ARF is doing over there, or if you'd like to pay me to fly out and interview all the cat people in Kosovo, please check out the show notes for all the links and references. And as always, thanks to my production team. That would be me, Captain Kitty, and my bosun Binky and Skipper Snuggles. Thanks again, folks. I appreciate you. We're all in this together, both on the Earth and in this universe. Everything is connected. Six Degrees of Cats is produced, written, Edited and hosted by yours truly, Captain Kitty, a.k.a. Amanda B. Please subscribe to our mailing list by visiting tinyurl.com slash 6degreesofcats or find us on all those social media platforms. And for my paid subscribers, you'll have access to the extra audio with more deep dives by our experts. This and all episodes are dedicated to the misunderstood, the marginalized, the resilient, and the weird. And, of course, all the cats we've loved and lost. So, uh, very soon after Chef came our cat, uh, the second cat, which we named Lule, which in Albanian language means flower. She is still with us for nine years now. She is uh, very quiet, um, very independent. Uh, very friendly, but also she's one of those cats that really, um, you know, wants to be left alone. 
if she's not in the mood. And uh, people that frequent our, uh, our bookshop cafe are used to it and respect her space because uh, from the beginning she kind of had her own style on how she's going to deal with the fact that she's living in a busy public space. 